So we're starting a new series. We're going to call this series Deeper Faith. And I'm excited about this series because what we're essentially going to do is we're going to take Hebrews chapter 11, which a lot of people know about Hebrews chapter 11 because it's called the Hall of Faith, right? It's called the Hall of Faith. And it's where the writer of Hebrews, which we don't know who that is, different commentators say different things, and, and, and you might hear some different people reference uh, uh, different names as far as being the author of Hebrews, but we don't, we don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews. The writer never identifies himself, um, but when he gets to chapter 11, um, we see this hall of faith that by faith this happened, by faith this happened, by faith this happened, and we thought it would be a lot of fun to take each one of these stories and talk about the message of faith, talk about the message of faith that is wrapped in each story as we are spending 2019 as a church going deeper, right? Going deeper. And so we've titled this series, Deeper Faith. What does it look like to have a deeper faith? And so today, to start that off, as we're talking about each one of these faith stories, You know, one of the things that I love to do is hear stories. I also love to tell stories, right? I enjoy enjoy telling stories, recounting stories, you know, and and I'm not much of a a fisherman. Um, I don't have the patience um, to to wait uh, very very often, but, um, um, but, you know, fishermen, when they tell stories, that fish always gets a little bit bigger every time right? And, and I caught a fish that was this big, and then that night they tell the story it was that big, and then by the, a week later, they, you know, it was that big, right? Um, but, uh, but I love telling stories, and recently, um, Kristen and the family and I, we were down in Florida at Disney, and you know, one of, my, one of my favorite things that they do at Disney is they have the name tags, right? And anybody ever been to Disney? Okay, very good, very good. I see those hands. Um, but uh, but, but they, have, they have the name tags, and under the name tags, they have where the people are from. So, like, where the cast members are from. And I, have a great, I had a great time with that, right? Because, because that where they're from is a conversation starter, right? Like, I was having a conversation yesterday as I was coaching a basketball game with one of the referees. It was a nice conversation. <laughs> Mostly. But at the end of the game, he walked over to me and, and he said, hey, where are you from, right? Like that was going to give him some type of context as to, as to um, <laughs> explaining some of the conversations that we were having. But anyway, right? But I, and so I, I had a lot of fun down at Disney talking with the different cast members, so they called them, right, about where they were from. Uh, and, 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 it was, and it was awesome because I tried to identify at times with different people and they're like, yeah, you have no idea about where I'm from. But we all have a story. You know, as I was mentioning um, on, on the Facebook this past week, I hopped on and praise God, we had 373 people here last Sunday. Isn't that, cra- isn't that crazy? 373 people here in this, in this place last Sunday morning. And one of the things that I said... Um, on, on the Facebook video that excites me about the, three, the number is that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Isn't that awesome? The thing about our stories, the thing about where we've been, the thing about where we're at now, the thing about where we're going, the thing about the stories that we have to tell, or even the stories that we don't like to share. 
the stories that, that not many people know, the stories that, that we would prefer if no one ever knew, the stories that we'd like to go back and maybe erase. The thing about each one of our stories is that they matter to God. They matter to God. And that's what we see here in Hebrews chapter 11. That's what we're going to see over the next few weeks as we take each one of these stories and talk about the faith story that it is. We'll see that it mattered to God. We'll see that by faith, by faith, by faith, this happened, that happened, this happened. And it made a difference in the kingdom of God. So, Hebrews chapter 11, if you haven't turned there yet, you can turn there. We're going to get started today with verses 1 through 4, and we're also going to check out the first story that the writer of Hebrews references here in the hall of faith. He says there, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, pause just one second because I think there's a huge truth there that we can almost glaze over if we're not careful. The first thing that the writer of Hebrews says by faith is this, by faith we understand, we're going to come back and talk about that word understand in a few minutes, but by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. Now, how many of you have ever had an encounter with something in Scripture or had an encounter at church with something about God or the person and work of Jesus and said, you know what? That just does not make sense to me. Anybody? It's okay. You're in a safe place this morning, right? There are things about God, there are things I read in His Word that don't make sense to me. Some of you are, got, some of you are like, wait a minute, and you're the one? Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. There are things that just, that just don't add up in my mind. There are questions when I look around and when I read Scripture and, 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 and dive into the heart of God and yet look at what's happening in our world today or what has happened or, or, or kind of the trends. I'm like, you know, these things just don't add up. They don't make sense to me. You know a verse that I cling to, especially as I'm reading these by faith stories, is Isaiah 55. When Isaiah says, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth are His thoughts than our thoughts. You know what that sets me free? To know that I don't have to understand everything about God to trust Him. I don't have to get it. I don't have to get it. I don't have to understand everything about God to get it. One of the things that I enjoy doing is getting, is, is throwing my kids into a pool. I just really enjoy it. 
I really, it's, I'm passionate about it. I think it's fun. We're at the stage with Ezra, my little boy. He's three and a half years old. Um, where we're trying to get him to the point of jumping into the water, right, without me catching him. Okay? So we're trying to get to, to that point. Now, don't judge my parenting style here or call any service about my parenting style. It's okay. He's healthy. He's fine. He's breathing. He's giving trouble to one of our children's teachers, no doubt, this morning. Okay? So, so everything's great. All right? But, but when we were swimming recently, um, I was trying to get him to, to jump and trying to get him to jump. And, you know, he has to have my arms right within touch. Right? Like, like if this is Ezra, he's got to be able to reach out and touch my hand before he'll jump. Now, thankfully, thankfully, right, I, you know, he'll reach out and touch, and then he kind of gears up to jump. And so a couple of times as he was gearing up to jump, I would just move out of the way. Right? So that he would go and jump into the water without me catching him. Right? Now, here's the thing that Ezra doesn't understand yet. He's three and a half. He doesn't comprehend the fact that what I'm doing is teaching him to swim. Some of you guys are like, well, there's better ways to teach your son how to swim <laughs> than having him jump. He's got floaties on. It's okay. He's not. I'm right there. Okay. Calm down. All right. All right. I'm not judging the way you taught your kids how to swim. Right. Right? Yeah. That Herb just said it, and I was, gonna, I was wrestling with her not to say it. Back in Herb's time, they just threw him in the deep end and walked away. <laughs> now, there's a reason to call somebody. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> just, let's move on, okay? But, but Ezra can't comprehend yet what Daddy is trying to teach him, right? He's just, he's just jumping, and you know, I, I, I feel like as I was thinking about that and reflecting about that this past week as we're ch- switching gears here from the wilderness to talk about faith, you know, they're kind of more closely connected um, than we imagine, I, I think. But as I, I, as I was thinking about that, you know, we would do well as the church to just jump sometimes. To just jump. To say, okay, God, you know what? I, I don't understand this. I don't get this. This is against everything I believe. This is against everything that is with my personality because I'd like, to, I'd like to understand. I would like to know exactly where we're going. I would like to know where the funding is coming from. I would like to know where this is going to you know, play out, how this is going to play out, how this is going to end up. But you know, I, th- I think we would do well to just jump sometimes. Anyway, we're going to come back to that. But by faith, by faith, let's, let's come back to the verse. By faith, we understand, we trust, we believe, even though his thoughts are as high as the heavens are above the earth from our thoughts, that the universe was created by the word of God. We are not here by accident. Things didn't happen by accident. We didn't just appear. We are on purpose. Everything that you see is on purpose by God, by a creator. And I don't know about you, but I get a little excited about that because the fact that we get to come here on a Sunday morning, the fact that we got to be here on a Friday night, the fact that we get to gather in different places throughout the week in the freedom to talk about that God, learn about that God, communicate with that God, grow in relationship with that God, that one day we're going to go and be with that God for eternity is pretty exciting. 
Man, that's pretty exciting. Like, that's a reason right there for the church to come to life. Yes. That by faith, we understand and can claim that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what was made, what was not made, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Sorry. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So that what is happening, what is seen, and what you see in front of you is not made out of what is visible, but is on purpose and created and determined by the will of God for your life and your good. Not necessarily how we define good, but your good. Because I'm sure Ezra would not define his good as me moving out of the way when he's jumping into the pool. He hates it every time. It's awesome. Like he screams at me, like he, he tries to slap, you know, all the, all the things, right? He doesn't define that as for his good. But I know better. We don't always define the things that happen to us that are not seen as for our good. But we serve a dad, a God, a Lord and Savior that knows better for us. And then we keep reading verse 4 before we go back and really get to the message. All that was free. None of that was in my notes this morning. But verse 4 is our first story by faith. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. This is Genesis chapter 4. If you want to get a little bit ahead, we're going to turn there in a few minutes. But by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Can I pray for us before we continue? Is that all right? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you're in control. God, thank you that you want to speak to us this morning. God, thank you that you want to make yourself real to us this morning. And God, I, I pray, I pray that you would do that. God, I pray that in these next few moments, as we look at these verses, as we look at the story of Cain and Abel, as we look into your word, that you would speak to us. God, what separates these stories from so many that we could tell? For many of us, what separates these stories apart, what makes them so special, is that you appeared to them and you made yourself real to them. And God, I pray that today, through these stories, you would do that to, for us. That you would make yourself real to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. All right, so let's, let's go back to the beginning. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So in this, in these three verses, as the writer of Hebrews is introducing the hall of faith, what we have here is not a definition of faith. Many people reflect back to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and, 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 and call it a definition of faith, assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. But it's not meant to be a definition of faith. Rather, it's meant to be a description of what faith does and how faith works. These verses are meant to be a description of what faith does and how faith works. And so, I think to really dive into this and talk about this a little bit deeper, true faith is not blind optimism. Okay, true faith is not blind optimism. True faith is not a, true faith is not a manufactured hope-so feeling, right? No, true faith is not a manufactured hope-so feeling. True faith is not an intellectual ascent, like that we're just climbing intellectually um, to a belief or to a set of beliefs. Um, um, true faith is not believing in spite of evidence, okay? True faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Um, that would be superstition. Faith is not a feeling that we manufacture, Faith isn't a feeling that we manufacture, but faith, I love this definition of faith, faith is confidence, excuse me, faith is confident obedience to God and to His Word, no matter what the circumstances or consequences. True faith is confident obedience to God and to His Word, no matter the circumstances and consequences. In reality, this faith operates very simply. This faith operates very simply. God speaks and we hear his word. God speaks and we hear his word. Then we trust him and act on his word no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the consequences may be. The circumstances may be impossible. The consequences may be frightening and unknown. But we obey God's word just the same. And I referenced this a few minutes ago um, and want to talk about it a little bit more. You know, I, I said some of us would do well just to jump. Some of us would do well just to jump. As I was reading up on faith this past week, I came across this quote in an article that goes a little bit like this. The world doesn't understand true faith. Probably because it sees so little faith in action today. This writer said the, the world doesn't understand true faith, probably because it doesn't see, it, it sees so little faith in action to, today. Some of us in the church would do well just to jump. Some of us would do well today to jump. Faith is our total response to what God has revealed in His Word. Faith is our total response to what God has revealed in his word. And before we jump back to verses one through three, one, of the, one last thing I want to say about faith before we dive in uh, uh, deeper is this is that we don't have to apologize for our faith. We don't have to apologize for our 
faith, for our response to God's Word. We don't have to apologize for our faith. We don't have to apologize for our faith. The writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews gives three words in these first three verses to summarize faith. And the first one is this, substance. Substance. Or as we read here in the English Standard Version, assurance. The assurance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. This word literally means in the, in, in, in the Greek to stand under, to support. So our faith, our faith is the support. See, faith for us is like the foundation of a house. Faith for us is like the foundation of the house. It gives confidence and assurance that that house is going to stand. It gives confidence and assurance that the house is going to stand. So you could read this, that faith is the confidence of things hoped for. See, when we have faith, it's, it's God's way of giving us confidence for life. When we have faith, it's God's way of giving us confidence for life. So faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The second word that the writer of Hebrews gives us here is conviction. The conviction of things not seen. Some translations say the evidence of things not seen. See, this is the inward conviction from God that what He has promised, He will see it through. This is the conviction from God that what He has promised, He will see through. Is living with the assurance that God is going to keep His Word. Right? So faith is the, the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction, the assurance of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And then we look at verse 3, and we can see the, three, the third word of faith. The third word of faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Right? The third word there is witness or good report. Right? The people in Hebrews 11 that we're going to look at over the next few weeks are the witnesses because God witnessed to them. As I was praying earlier, He showed up in their lives. In each example, God gives witness to their faith. God brings understanding to their faith. And the best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. The best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. I love the, the article or the, the quote that reads like this, you're most like the five people closest to you. I remember when I started playing basketball real seriously at a younger age, 10th and 11th grade, um, I had somebody come to me and say, the only way you're going to get better is if you play with people that are better than you. Right? The only way you're going to get better is if you play with people that are better than you. So as a junior in high school, my dad would take me over to the college to play with the college players in my town. And the first night he did that, you want to talk about fear? Whew. Man, it was, it was scary. But as that confidence grew, I mean, the first night I didn't touch the ball, the second night I didn't touch the ball. The third night I didn't touch the ball. Pretty much the first year I didn't touch the ball. Right? It's just like running around. Hey guys, just happy to be on the court. Right? But our faith grows 
our faith grows as we're with people, as we're around people who are faithful, right? I mean, it's hard to be with some of the people in this church, and I'm looking around, I'm seeing some of the people. It's hard to be around some of the people in this church and have a bad day because of their faithfulness, right? It's hard to be around Herb Perry and have a bad day, right? Some of you guys are nodding. It's hard to be, I mean, I look at, I think of Bruce and Cindy Elder. They've had a rough couple months, but you know what? They, they walk in here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, smiling. They know God's in control. That stretches our faith. The best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. And I believe that's why we have the Hall of Faith. The best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. So let's walk with the faithful. We see here in verse 4, by faith, Cain, excuse me, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So let's look at the story. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. We're just going to read through verse 10. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the, help of the, with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. That's awesome. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But if you have a, a pen or something, you're taking notes, underline that verse. Because verse 3 is pivotal for us in light of what happened in the, earlier in Genesis. And again, we'll come back and talk about it in just a minute. Verse 4, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and, uh, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Hmm. You see there, sin's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Over that, that's, that's strong right there. Verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So we see here the story of two brothers, right? Cain and Abel. Cain was a worker of the ground. Abel tended the sheep. He was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was an older brother. Abel was the younger brother. And, and, and Cain brings an offering to the Lord. Abel brings an offering to the Lord. And the reason that, that I say that's special, that's a miracle right there in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the, ground, of the fruit of the ground that because um, of, of Adam and Eve's sin earlier in Scripture, the reason that this is so special is that there's a means to relate to God despite sin. This offering, 
There's a means to relate to God despite sin. God gave a means to still relate to Him, be in relationship with Him, communicate with Him, serve Him, please Him, be obedient to Him by this offering, by the fruit of the ground, to be able to present an offering back to God. Back to God. And so, in, these, in the hall of faith, in these stories, we see four things that are true in every story. Four things that are true in every story. That God spoke to them through His Word. God spoke to them through His Word. And how God spoke to Cain and Abel was in response to their offering. Was in response to this way that we could commune with God despite sin. God had revealed to Adam and his descendants the true way of worship, and Abel obeyed God by faith with an offering that God regarded. So the first thing that we see in each one of these stories is that God spoke to them through his word, and God spoke to Cain and Abel through his word, giving them a means to relate to God, giving them a means to relate to God. The second thing that we see in each, one of their, in each one of these stories is that their inner selves were stirred in different ways. Now I want you to notice this. Their inner selves were stirred in different ways. That still happens today. It still happens today. I have proof of it. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday that our inner selves are stirred in different ways. You know what always strikes me? is that the Sundays where I feel like, and, 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 and I would appreciate no amens or anything over the next 30 seconds, okay? But the Sundays where I feel like the message just flopped and just, just, wow, it'll be a miracle if anybody ever comes back to church after that, right? That those are the Sundays that there's about, you know, five or six people on the way out the door. Pastor, I needed that message. You were preaching right to me. Now, I don't know. Don't tell me, okay? But you, you, the five or six people may sense that, yeah, that was a really rough message. The pastor probably needs some encouragement after that. But there are some Sundays where I can just sense that the Spirit is stirring and then other people are just like, yeah, well, that, you know, that's, that's good. And then other Sundays, like I'm like, eh, that, was, that was fine. And other people are like, man, that was awesome, right? So even among us, even among us, as we gather week after week, as we gather in different settings, as we gather, the Spirit stirs in us differently, right? Because some people worship like this. Some people, this is a posture of worship for you. Others of you, that's not enough. And you've got to like jump around and you've got to like raise your hands and you've got to cry out to God or you've got to hit your knees and just worship and overwhelm this response to God, right? And so the Spirit stirs in us differently. And in this hall of faith, as we look at each one of these stories that by faith this happened, by faith this happened, by faith this happened, we see that the, the Word of God speaks and the response is different. The response is different. And here in this story, we get to see two different responses right off the bat. Right? Cain gives an offering to the Lord. Abel gives an offering to 
the Lord. And their inner selves were stirred in different ways. I want you to see here that the offering was their worship. The offering was their connection with God. The offering was their worship to God. And the word regard here, we see that um, um, uh, in, in verse 3 and 4, in the course of time Cain brought an offering to the Lord, an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought an offering of the firstborn of his flock and their fat and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. This, re- this word regard means favor. In the Hebrew, it meant paid attention to. And so what we read here is that the Lord paid attention to Abel's offering. The Lord didn't, the Lord had no attention. The Lord had no regard. The Lord had no favor for Cain's offering, which we see caused a problem for Cain. It caused a problem for Cain. And so then the third thing that we see in each one of these is that they obeyed God. For Abel, this, this, we're highlighting Abel in this story. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but I want you to see that his obedience, his obedience cost him his life. Abel, the first martyr of Scripture, Genesis 4, died because of his obedience to God. That's his story. He brought something pleasing to God. He acted in faith in response to God speaking to them through His Word in response to His conviction and how He was stirred in His inner self. It cost Him His life. His faith cost Him His life. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry in verse 6? And why is your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? Sin is crouching. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And then you can almost hear the resentment in Cain's voice. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. It's not my, Abel's my responsibility now? And then God said, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I want you to know that Later on, as I was looking and studying this, later on, God ha- has, has grace and protects even Cain's life despite his sin. But to concentrate here on Abel's side of the story, not only did God speak to them through His Word, not only were their inner selves stirred in different ways, not only did they obey God, but lastly, the last thing that's true about each one of these stories that we're going to look at over the next weeks is that God bore witness about them. Is that God told their story. Is that God bore witness about them. If you look back in Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to flip back over verse 4, by faith, by faith, Abel, under the, under the inspiration of God, the writer of Hebrews penned this from 
God that by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God regarded his offering. God regarded, paid attention to his worship. God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. I want you to see something real important here. Abel's faith story spoke. It told the message. His story speaks. His story speaks. And you know, I think that's probably my favorite part of this this morning is that our stories speak. Our stories give life. Our stories, if we let them bring death, our stories speak. They give a message. I can't tell you the number of conversations that I have with people that they go a little bit like this, right? What do you do for a living? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. What do you do for a living? Uh, nothing as impactful as a pastor. What? I mean, you encounter people every day of your life. You, you get to talk to people, right, that, that may be, that may be at a, at a pivotal point in their life. David Platt, Friday night, shared a story of his mother-in-law that he, that he and his wife had prayed for for years that she would take God seriously. And then, and then one time they were on vacation and his mother-in-law woke up early to go have quiet time. And she's like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to tell you I'm following God. He baptized her. And then very short months later, she died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. And, he, and in, as he was choking up Friday night, as he was choking up, telling the story of his mother-in-law, he said, we never know what God is up to. And you have a very significant life. And you know how I know that? You're here this morning and you're breathing. That means God wants to use you and has a plan for your life and your work. We need you. To share your story at Lazy Boy. We need you to share your story as a nurse. We need you to share your story as an electrician. We need you to share your story as a retired person. We need you to share your story selling skis. We need you to share your stories in whatever it is that you're doing at IHOP five days a week. I'm looking at you, elders. You go to IHOP with Bruce and Cindy Elder, and it's like you're at Hollywood. People ask for your autograph just because you're associated with it. It's amazing. We need you to share your story. And, and even though Abel's life was taken, his story still speaks. Why? Because God had regard for his offering. God paid attention to his worship. Abel's worship was true. Abel had a story to tell because of his faith and obedience in response to God's word. That was his story. He had a story to tell because of his faith and obedience in response to God's word. And God bore witness about him. God bore witness about him. See, the writer of Hebrews made it clear that faith is a very practical thing. Faith is a very practical thing. Faith enables us to understand God and what he's doing or what he does. Faith enables us to understand and see things that others can't. As a result, faith enables us to do what others can't do. 
Faith enables us to do what others can't do. You know what I love about Hebrews 11? People laughed at these great men and women because of their obedience to God when they stepped out in faith. And if I have one warning for us as we're walking through this, because I do, man, my prayer for us, my prayer for our church over the next weeks as we walk through each and every one of these stories in Hebrews 11, and we look at the faith story, and we look at their response to God's Word, we looked at we looked at how their inner selves were moved, and we looked at we look at their obedience. We look at how God bore witness about them because of their faith. Now, uh, my my prayer for us is that our faith would be deeper than ever. My prayer for us, my prayer for us, and listen, I'm talking to Summit Church now. If you're visiting and you want to sign up for this, that's awesome. But my prayer for us is that we be the most laughed at group of people in the country because of our faith. That we would be the biggest quote-unquote joke church out there because people are laughing at how much faith is flowing in and through this place. Because I believe that a group of people just need to jump in the pool. I believe a group of people just need to get excited about the fact that we get to have this relationship with God and jump in the pool and tell others about how God transforms. But if I have one warning for us, is this. And I read these stories and as I think, man, I'd love to have that. Man, I'd love to have that. Man, I want that type of faith. Or as I even, I'll confess to you, I, I sit Friday night back there and watch this man preach for like five hours from Genesis to Revelation talking about all the places of prayer and fasting and pursuit of God in Scripture. And I'm like, man, I could never do that. I could, I could never put a study guide like this. This is unbelievable. I even sent a text message, I think, to Dylan and Kristen and maybe even Ian and was saying, this guy's a beast. The warning here is duplicity. Because as I was driving home Friday night, no, Saturday morning, (laughs) I was driving home from Secret Church, the thing that I just heard God speak loud and clear to me was I haven't called you to be David Platt. I haven't asked you to put a study guide together from Genesis to Revelation about prayer, fasting, and the pursuit of God. I already have a David Platt. I've asked you to be Travis. I've asked you to be Travis. I've asked you to be Jen. I've asked you to be Jim. I've asked you to be Lindsay. I've asked you to be Dwayne. I've asked you to be Ray. I've asked you to be Stanley. I've asked you to be you. I don't need you to duplicate someone else's faith. I need you to be who I'm calling you to be today. I need you to be faithful where I have you today. What would it look like? What would it look like if we faithfully stepped out in obedience to God's Word today? What would it look like if in confidence 
we responded today with conviction in our inner self to God's Word? How is God using your story for His glory? That's the question. That is the faith question. How is God using your story for His glory right now? And I just want us to pause. I want us to do something we don't do a lot. And before we go and before we pray and before we sing a song and you start thinking about where you're going to eat for lunch or you know, this or that and what, what's happening later on, before, before I want to pause right here in this moment and ask this question. How is God calling you to live by faith right now? I want you to spend a couple minutes. The worship team is going to be coming while we reflect. But I want, you to, I want you to spend a couple minutes. If you want to gaze, gaze. If you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you want to sit there, sit there. If Whatever posture you need to take in this moment, take it. But ask yourself this question and pray in response to God over this question. How is God asking me, calling me right now from His Word to be obedient to Him in faith? I don't know if Abel knew when he presented his offering to God, if it was going to cost him his life. I don't know if he knew the magnitude of what that offering was going to bring and the sibling rivalry and, and all of that that was going to play out ending with his death. But it, it really doesn't matter. Maybe the bigger question that we have to wrestle with this morning is, am I willing to do what God is asking me to do? No matter the circumstances, no matter the cost, no matter the potential pain, no matter the lack of understanding, no matter what, God, I'm willing to follow you in faith. God, I'm willing to respond to you in faith. God, I'm willing to step out in faith. Would you pray that prayer this morning? Okay, God. Okay. You're calling me here. And I will go. You're calling me here. And I don't understand it. And there's fear wrapped all around it. But I will trust you. And I will jump. I will move, I will go, I will give, I will sacrifice, I will lay down, I will stand up, I will.